Alrighty, folks. Welcome in. Welcome back. Second episode. We're moving forward. We're moving on. We've got a name now. So, Chris, Chris, you want to unveil it for us? Polar FC. Yep. It's official. We're back here. We got a name. We didn't do a name last time. We just we just got into it. So we, we really wanted to get uh, into the podcasting before the logistics. But now Troy, our, our big boss man, said you got to have a name. You got to have a logo. So we're getting there. Don't worry. Don't worry. Someday, someday we'll have merch. Uh, so pretty excited for that. We also picked up another co-host here, Vandy. Welcome on. Uh, you want to give us a, a quick hello here? Yeah, thanks, you guys, for having me. Um, C-O-Y-B, good, big Chelsea fan here. Uh, Going to come on and not try to be too biased, add some humor, add some flair. Um, and, yeah, pretty much. Don't, don't worry about the bias, Vandy. As you can see, I'm wearing my, my Bayern sweatshirt, so I'm I'm <laughs> all with the bias. I think we all, we've all we all got our, our favorites here, and, and that's kind of what uh, makes it fun to follow, too. But uh, So we're back at it again another week. Uh, we've got KR, we've got Vandy, we've got Chris, me, Jacob, and uh, we'll get into it. I, I skipped the last names because, yeah, you know, you know what happened at the end of last episode. Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll start off hot here. We'll, we'll toss the mic over to Vandy, uh, talk about some stars here. So um, it's hard if you're in the, the, the soccer, if you've been following Champions League, there's no way that you didn't see the headline. Messi and Ronaldo will not be in the quarterfinals for the first time in 16 years. Um, it's just crazy to think about because I feel like if you just scroll through any comment section on social media that's involving them, it's always who's better, who's doing this, who's doing what, and it just shows like us as sports fans, we've been spoiled for so long, and I think... <laughs> We just kind of have to just appreciate their greatness because they won't be here forever. Who knows if Messi will be even in a Barca jersey next season. Ronaldo, who knows with him. I mean, if, if Juve is as good next season or if he's playing for Juve, whatever the case may be, it's just you just got to be present in the moment and just appreciate the players because I don't know how the Champions League is going to look without them. Apparently, we got some new kids on the block and Mbappe had tricking and and followed it up with another good performance today. So, yeah, it's just it's just a crazy, crazy time right now. It's just very abnormal. 2004-05 was the last season that they yeah. weren't in the Champions League. So that's crazy. Yeah, and that, that's a good point that you bring up. And, and I, I was about to ask that. Like, do you think this is now going to be a transition into some of the, you know, new stars? I know last week we talked about Mbappe. Uh, we talked about Holland. Uh, two young players that are kind of coming up on the block. Do you think that this is now maybe a little bit showing uh, showing their age when it comes to Messi and Ronaldo and and some of these new kids on the block that coming up scoring goals in, in big games? Do you think it's gonna kind of open the way for them? To be honest, I don't think Messi's slowing down. I just think Barcelona's not as good as previous Barcelonas. If you look at Messi's numbers, he's still ridiculous. He's still doing crazy things. And Ronaldo, I think he's the leading uh, scorer in in the um, Italian league. Or if he's not, he's in the top five for sure. But the thing is, with the new generation, and that's that's what I mean by we're spoiled. Like Messi and Ronaldo were consistent year in, year out. You don't have like – Holland's going nuts right now, but 
people always talk about this. Like, let's Holland. I think he said one of his main places to go was Man U. Let's say he goes to Man U and he has like a seven goal season. His expectations are literally through the roof because this kid just scores goals every single game, and it's like, damn, this this kid's really good. But when you think about Messi, Ronaldo, every year they're banging in 12, 20 goals in a freaking calendar year. But when you think about the next generation, it's like the expectations are so high to, to catch how great they were. It's like, are you really able to keep that pace up or are you just going to have a good season every two, three years? You know, they have to consistently do this. So I'm still trying to find that player of the next generation that can consistently produce at a really high level. Neymar was close, but he's too injury prone, you know. And he's, 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 we know that he's probably, if you say Messi one, Ronaldo two, or vice versa, people usually say Neymar three. But if you think about Neymar, he's never, he didn't even play today. That's a perfect example. So it's like, I, I think we have to not throw around this, this world-class word so much when we talk about these 23-year-old talents, just let them play, let them develop into superstars because they, we're talking about generational talents when we talk about Ronaldo and Messi, and it's pretty hard to be a generational talent. People don't just use that lightly. I think we have to wait until to the next generation. I don't think I think Mbappe has a good chance to lead it, but there there's no there's no uh, person that has it has it in a stranglehold and has a lock on thing. Hey, I'm the next best world best player in the world. So pump pump the brakes a little bit. We'll let them let them see if they can prove themselves. Oh, yeah, well, I'll pass it over to Chris here. What do you yeah, think? two two points I want to make. First, uh, the fact that Erling Holland is doing what he's doing on a team like Dortmund that's like they're good, don't get me wrong, but like they're not like a Bayern Munich. They're not like a you know what I mean? Like they're not like no one would have them as a favorite to win the Champions League. Um, so like if and when Holland ends up going to a truly, truly elite team, like I'm I'm like excited to see what kind of damage he can do with an even better supporting cast, better service from his midfielders, you know, better build-up play, all that stuff. Um, now, whether that's a team like Manchester United, God, I hope not. Um, whether, uh, you know, you know, uh, he moves up to the uh, big dogs in the Bundesliga, like uh, Bayern Munich, not that Dortmund would ever sell their players to Munich. I don't know why I would suggest such a thing. Uh, but, you know. They did that, though. That, that happened with their last they do start. They did to the last, like, five best players, which, you know, if I were a <laughs> Dortmund fan, that would drive me nuts. Like, hey, yeah. we'll take him. We'll take him. Yeah, I mean, if, if yeah. But, um, yeah, but my point is, Holland, if and when he goes on to one of those uh, super clubs, like, God help the rest of UEFA, because that is just going to be a bloodbath. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I, I when I look at, you know, looking at the Messi and Ronaldo versus the guys like Mbappe, Holland, and, and who else may arise in the next couple of years, it, it kind of really, we're kind of in that weird transition period. It's kind of like when the NBA went from being Kobe's league in the 2000s to LeBron's league in the late 2000s and 2010s. Like we're in that weird in-between phase where like Messi and Ronaldo themselves are still performing at a really high level, but you can tell like they're not quite what they were. And I'm not necessarily saying that they're in decline yet, but you, you kind of get where I'm going at. Like you could see the writing on the wall, like the, t- the clock is ticking on both of them in terms of being a truly elite players um, and guys like Mbappe. I mean, I, I was sold on Mbappe since uh, before the world cup in 2018. And that just kind of solidified it for me. Um, I, I'm convinced that there's going to be a time in a couple of years where he's the best player in the world. And I think it's going to be undisputed. Um, 
So I'm pretty high on him. Um, again, guy like Holland who kind of just emerged a bit out of nowhere in the last couple of years. Uh, like no one had him on his radar. Like when he was like 16 or 17, he kind of just burst onto the scene. Um, so, you know, I'm impressed by him and, you know, could be someone else even showing up in the next couple of years, but I'm, I'm interested in seeing, you know, that whole transition between the old guard and new guard in world soccer. I, I find that very fascinating. Okay. I want to go to you here and transition off. Do you have any, any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of posts today saying that, you know, this is, I guess, the signature passing of the torch or, um, you know, the end of an era for two legends, two goats of, you know, soccer and football all around the world. Like everybody loved these two players and they've done more than it's been expected of them in the record books, in my opinion. But I wouldn't consider them not being in the quarterfinals of the Champions League for Yes, I know it's the first time in, in 16 years, but I wouldn't consider it, so to say, you know, much of a failure. It's not much to their demise that these teams, their teams aren't making it to the quarterfinals. It's the team as a whole. I mean, you, they're, it's not like they're, you know, in their mid-20s and, and performing at their highest potential. Like, they're near, they're humans, right? I mean, even at even at a human scale, they're performing like aliens. Like they're putting up numbers like crazy, even at such an old age, right? Um, you know, and a lot of people are saying that the, both, of the, both of these teams not making it to the quarterfinals is due to the failure or, or you know, the lower performances of Ronaldo and Messi. And I, I don't know, I just don't, for some reason, that, didn't, that doesn't sit right in my mind, blaming them for it in a way. Uh, and don't get me wrong, like these youngsters like Holland and Mbappe, you guys are mentioning, yes, they're the future, but I don't see them, uh, you know, being the future, like Vandy said, putting the expect expectations on them to be these legends right away. Um, you got to let them, you know, develop, play at their own pace. And, um, you know, it's just, it's still weird in my mind that, yes, they didn't make it, but you shouldn't automatically, you know, give them an F for, for not making it one time. Yeah, yeah, I see where you're coming from, and, and to to kind of summarize here, I think, I think our 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 uh, our analysts here feel that you know this doesn't really mean that you know Messi and Ronaldo are done. Yeah, maybe their teams aren't doing so great. We talk about how much of a uh, how much of a clusterfuck uh, Barcelona is almost uh, like all the time. We had, I guess, a couple couple stories we tried it we tried to outline all the points in the past couple months we've heard last episode and we couldn't even do it we, we left some off of course so you could say Barcelona's just you know who knows what the heck's going on there um so we're, we're kind of feeling you know yeah they didn't they had an off season the teams aren't doing so hot but you know there's still some potential uh for them to to have success again in the future of course they're I mean, some of the best players to play soccer ever. And, and KR, I want to come back to you here. And, and I want to ask you this. Um, do you think that uh, ha the likes of Holland, the likes of Mbappe, do you think that either of those players will, will eventually reach the level uh, that we've seen of Messi of Ronaldo? I think that comes back to the situation if they get the stage for it, right? Um, Obviously, they played at two premier clubs, Barcelona, Real Madrid for Ronaldo for most of his time, and now playing at Juventus. 
Uh, like Chris mentioned, if Holland gets the opportunity to go to a big name club, I'm sure he wouldn't be upset by going if Holland went to Man City. But you know that would spell bad news for Aguero. But we can save that for another time. Um, but listen, I think if they get the stage for it, yes. But I would say to succeed in the Champions League, that's uh, very hard to do. Um, and I, I was actually just looking at one of the posts that says that Cristiano Ronaldo in the Champions League has the most goals, the most wins, the most titles, the most assists, most finals scored in, the most goals in a season, the most seasons as a top goal scorer, and the most consecutive games with a goal. That's going to be hard. That's basically every stat you can get as an attacker. Um, and yes, I know Holland has reached, you know, 20 goals and I don't even know, like probably 16 games or something like that. Uh, and Mbappe is obviously putting on numbers like crazy. And again, both of them are, I wouldn't say are at, you know, top um, legendary, like legacy squads or legacy uh, clubs. But if they do get a chance, uh, it's possible, but I think it's going to take a lot more. Uh, than just the recognition they're getting at such a young age. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. So you're kind of looking for, you know, taking a, a big-name club and having some success in the Champions League while also, you know, filling up the stat book. And that was something that was impressive about both leaders is that, you know, they're able to consistently get to the quarterfinals, consistently get to – get to the big games, score in the big games. So, you know, we're the, the jury's still out. We want to see if if uh, Holland and Mbappe can win can win some big titles. Of course, I think uh, Mbappe winning the uh, World Cup 2018, that's that's pretty impressive, probably uh, a big, big piece on his resume. But jury's still out. We'll see how they uh, how they shape up. I just saw a really weird fact that the last time that Ronaldo and Messi uh, made it or didn't make it to the quarterfinals was when Ansu Fati was two years old. That's just, that's just very weird, but imagine that. Like, it's been, I know it's been like, again, a long time, but he's playing with Messi right now and who he's two years old the last time Messi didn't make it in. Pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Any last thoughts on this topic before we uh, transition away? Just to, to, to uh, reiterate the point that I'm making with Messi and Ronaldo, Messi has 19 goals on a season, leads La Liga, and Ronaldo has 20, leads the Italian league. So it shows you that there's still something left in the tank. It's just that, one, they can't keep this up forever. Father time will win every time. And two, we just have to appreciate how great they are because, as you can see, their teams won't be as good forever, too, as well. Yeah, just to build on that, I think what Barcelona has done in terms of squandering Messi's talent is like uh, a crime against humanity. Um, like the supporting cast around that man has gotten progressively worse as the years have gone on. Uh, it, it's, it's not like unlike what we've seen uh, in, in leagues like you know, the NFL where quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers are going to retire with one Super Bowl, probably like that's just criminal. Like, I don't know how you can like and, and but you'll notice Barca, like all of their pretty much all their titles are in the first half of Messi's career. And the reason why I go on this mini tangent, even though we're wrapping up the segment, is because a lot of Messi detractors will point to, well, he didn't really do anything in your international stuff. I mean, Ronaldo never won a World Cup, but he won the Euros in 2016. Um, and, you know, soccer is such a team game that you can't necessarily blame the player. Like, 
if you took Messi and put him on like the 2010 United States national team, they still aren't making it past like the quarterfinals at best. So like, it's not like you can't compare it the same way you can compare like bat titles and basketball. It's just, it's a completely different game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see where you're coming from, Chris. I think at the same time, you think of the NFL, you think of it being a team game as well. And with the NFL, we're seeing a guy like Tom Brady, you know, outlast time, outlast the years that, have been expected of them and still put on a show, still go to teams and, and really win Super Bowls, at least get to Super Bowls on a consistent basis. Um, so I think it, you know, when, when we think about the greatness of a player, it has to factor in. Um, but yes, the fact that, you know, maybe they're, they haven't won it all quite so many times. Uh, does it detract a little bit? Yes, but there's still, you know, some of the best, if not the best soccer players to, to ever do it um so next we'll kind of move away here and one story that caught my eye uh was uh with the german national team so uh georgie low he's out he's planning to leave after uh euro 2020 um of course the rumor mill is uh churning they're talking about who it's going to be next uh jürgen klopp in an interview kind of ruled himself out. It seemed like he's like, Oh, well, you know, it's a little bit too soon. Um, here I'm happy at, at Liverpool and, you know, Liverpool getting it done this week in the big games um, at least. And, and so he's, he's kind of ruling himself out. Uh, I saw a little bit on uh, Hansi Flick. He was saying, mm, maybe a little bit more open to the idea. So he'd, uh, he'd, um, He'd reassess the situation when it came up in the summer. Um, of course, other names have been in the mix. Um, but, you know, given the, you know, poor performances, at least by Germany's standards, um, in the 2018 World Cup, in some of the qualifiers and, and friendlies since then, I think this, this result was almost inevitable. Uh, I'd love to get you guys' thoughts on it. I don't think it's fair. Honestly, I, I think, you know, it's there's a reason why even like the best soccer countries in the world usually like have a new manager every four years or so, because managing at the international level is just so, so difficult. You're only with the, the team for like, you know, however many games out of the year, not most of the time you're not with the team. So you've got to get them playing as a unit in a fraction of the time. It's, it's infinitely harder, in my opinion, than coaching at the club level. Um, but also... Um, one other thing that, um, you know, really stands out is Yuri Love not only stuck around, he won like World Cups. He, like, it seemed Germany up until the 2018 World Cup was always like one of the favorites, if not the winner of like the tournament, be it World Cup, Euros, whatever. Um, so I think, yeah, Germany hasn't really played as well as of late, but I think people should like respect Yuri Love for what he managed to do with Germany because it's not easy to do at all. Um, as far as who they should replace him with, um, I mean, if I were Klopp, I would take the job because he's already won the Champions League with Liverpool. He's already won the Premier League. Like, he's kind of done everything that he can do with Liverpool. I, yeah, he can win those things again and again, but, like, you have a chance here, in, in his point of view, a once-in-a-lifetime maybe chance to coach the country that you're from 
you know, you get, you get to coach like the best players in the world, some of them. Um, and, you know, you've got the opportunity to win a Euro, win a World Cup. And you've already done everything else that there is to do in the club game. Like if I were him, I'd be jumping the first flight to Berlin to sign those papers to um, take over the team. But that's just me. So yeah. that's, that's kind of my read on the situation. I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on this. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I think, yeah, maybe it's a little harsh, but I also don't really uh, approve of his uh, – some of his decisions in terms of call-ups. I think, you know, after facing really uh, – after the 2018 World Cup, he really transitioned towards – a lot towards younger players. And, yeah, yeah, it makes sense, but I feel like in terms of – Germany, they they're they I don't I don't know if that's their mindset. If their mindset is all right, we can wait to win. We can you know we can play some younger players now. Maybe not be as competitive, um, and maybe try to try to reap some benefits in the end. I don't know if that's their mindset. I think Germany's the type of mindset, the type of the type of team that's going to really want to give it their all each year. I know for me, obviously as a, a Bayern fan, I was I was a little mad Muller didn't get that call up especially after such a phenomenal uh, year at Bayern. Um, I, I can understand it, I guess, after 2018. But after having such a bounce back year, I was, I was a little frustrated. Um, I also personally, a little excited to see him go just because I don't really like the back three form that he's, uh, he's tended to play with uh, lately. Um, and that's another reason why uh, I, I'm with Chris here. I, I am kind of rooting uh for cop to take that job i think he's a, fa a fantastic manager um i also don't want to see hansi flick leave Bayern. uh so i well, i come would, on I would definitely like Bayern that. is going to be good no matter who is managing that team like and then now you're just getting greedy like come yeah, on yeah yeah but i like i like his mentality i, I like <laughs> i like how he does things and obviously yeah, of that's fair that's greedy. fair you know what the um, real like burn it down pick would be like if it like because here's the thing, when you're a journalist, like part of you, like you know, there's a party that says, all right, well, hopefully my team is good. There's a party in the back of your head that's like, I just want to see the world burn because that's a good story. <laughs> you know who would be like the uh, burn it all down pick uh, that Germany would never hire, but I would like lose my mind if they did because it would be so funny. Who? Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> Remember Jurgen Klinsmann? Everyone's uh, favorite uh, U.S. national team coach who... Uh, unfortunately played, who played midfielders as right backs and right backs as forwards and just completely <laughs> fucked around with it and also lost to Trinidad. And that's why the United States did not play in the last normal world cup. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I feel like I'll, I won't remember him Hate anything other than a failure for the United States. He also left team. Landon Donovan off the 2014 world yep. cup <laughs> roster. Like what the hell is wrong with your best player? Basically. <laughs> Hey, we got Chris Wondolowski. He scores a bunch of tap-ins for the San Jose Earthquakes. Such a clown. I get it. I get the whole uh, German. Like, Germany, unlike a lot of other national teams, have only has only been coached by a German national. So I do get the Klinsmann thing. But nah, if, we're, if we're being serious and if we're thinking about the level of, of German players, he's not the right guy. <laughs> guy for the job um if I don't think Klopp will take it to be honest I think he's just satisfied with where he's at with Liverpool 
wants to accomplish more things, groom his young players, and you know maybe not stress, overwork himself too much because it you know it is a big responsibility um, with with that managing job. Uh, I guess I would probably go to towards RB Leipzig's coach. Uh, I don't I don't think <clears throat> I don't think it's a too far fetched thing uh, for Julian Nagelsmann to get the job. He's only thirty three. He's been linked to Tottenham. Um, he took Leipzig from. I don't know, the, below the beneath the earth to to the to the, the place they're at now and an impressive sixty one percent win rate. So if they're going to stay within Germany in terms of their their coaching jobs, uh, I would I would say Nagelsmann is a good fit if they're not gonna go club. Um and if they're not gonna go for for Bayern. Um and this and Nagelsmann, he's also been linked with Real Madrid. So this guy, he's he's a real deal. Obviously, coaching in the German league, that means that you know the German style of football. So don't think that would be a bad hire. Certainly. Certainly, yeah. And I think changing to that style, um, that pressing style where you're just trying to push that high line, uh, I think really both both Hansi Flick, both uh, him and Klopp have done that so well. Uh, RB Leipzig, a, another great team. Um, and I think, you know, to me, this just gets me excited. I mean, yeah, yeah, Georgie Lowe. Yeah, I respect him. Yeah, he's brought a lot of great things, but I, I don't know. I feel like we got to change it up a little. I'm excited to see uh, some new faces, hopefully some old faces back with the club. I'm excited to see a little bit different of a strategy. Um, and I think just uh, just the, the confidence was gone in general with Georgie Lowe and you're right, Chris, maybe it's a little too early, but uh, I, for one, as a fan, I'm at least, I'm excited. I'm excited for, for what uh, the future holds transitioning here to the future here. We're going to talk a little, little Euro 2020. Um, As far as I know, a lot of things in terms of Euro 2020 are still to be determined a hundred days out. Uh, anyone have some some thoughts, some excitement there? Uh, I mean, I'm just – it's going to – it will have been three years since, like, the last major international tournament. Uh, so I'm just excited to have that back. I think international soccer is probably, like, the best sport to watch. I, I, I Honestly, I prefer it to the Champions League. Um, that's what first got me into it was watching both the United States and Greece back in the 2010 World Cup. Um, so like, you know, that, that's like my favorite kind of soccer and probably my favorite, like kind of sports competition to watch. Uh, so just having that back will be pretty good. Um, I mean, I don't have a rooting interest cause Greece has, um, fallen off a cliff these last few years. So ever since 2014, I don't really, I don't really mess with them. I just sort of watch and hope for entertaining soccer. So it seems from from just quickly looking at some of the reports here that they're looking to play in fewer cities than originally planned, possibly some attendance. Um, I, I think it's tough. I mean, when you think about inter- playing internationally, you, we've seen it with the Champions League with teams having to go play at a neutral country because, you know, their country's not letting players play in certain areas. I think Maybe because this is an international game, they may get a little bit more leeway from their country's government. But 
I'm sure that, you know, there's still going to be some logistical hassle, some logistical things they're going to have to jump through. Yeah. Um, so really hoping that this is still able to, to really go through as planned. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, real quick, um, you know, I think it might be a better idea to push like the all Europe euros, which I think are an awesome idea. Push those back to like 2024 when you can have like a normal, like I think there will be some fans at the Europe's. I don't think it'll be totally empty stadiums, um, you know, between like vaccines and summer and all that stuff. So I think they'll have some fans. I don't think it'll be full capacity though. I think that's what a fully European Euros would really do. And also if regulations are still an issue, which I think they are, I think it will be a lot easier to do what like something similar to what the champions league did and just have it in like a couple locations just to, you know, make it easier than hopping around the continent. So, you know, that's, that's just how I would handle it. But um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited to have international soccer back. That's going to be fun. Yeah. From what I see here, it says that they're considering the possibility of just playing all the games in one country and trying to do maybe something similar to how they did with the NBA bubble, where they just have all the teams kind of in one country for an extended period of time to, to get these games in. Obviously, a little bit more, a uh, little bit different than, than the NBA, but hoping it can, it can work out here and, you know, things, things seem to be trending up, at least in the U S in terms of vaccinations, things getting a little bit better hundred days from now, we'll also be in warmer weather, which I know is a good sign. Um, I, I'm, I can't say I've been too up on the news in Europe, but hopefully they're, they're somewhat mirroring um, Vandy. KR, your thoughts on this? I know Chris and I said our, our national teams of interest. I don't know if uh, either of you follow a specific team here. When I was younger, I really was a big uh, Dutch football fan. I don't know why. Arjen Robin, I guess, even though he only had one move, cut back left, shoot for the left post, he's still probably my favorite when you're growing up. Um, so kind of grew out of that. Uh, but I'm a football fan in general, so... Love to watch it. I think in order for us to get the full experience and maybe it, I, would, I wouldn't be opposed to the 2024 idea. Um, I know a lot of people don't want to wait that long, but just watching these Premier League games and Champions League games, it's just not the same feeling, you know. As much as you can make the arena sound loud with a, with a, with a soundboard and speakers, it's just not the same, you know. Um, like a lot of other sports, when you have an outdoor sport, it's really a completely different atmosphere for the players, but also for the people that's watching uh, when fans are there. Uh, Europe isn't, I mean, all countries in Europe aren't as responsive or aren't on as good of a track uh, when it comes to fighting COVID in terms of the vaccines. Not everybody is able to be disposed to the same amount of things. So if they were to do it along the same timeline, then I would probably say they should like limit it to maybe one country and then like five cities or something like that. But yeah, man, I, I think they should kind of wait on it. Like like with the Olympics, like um, I think it was a good call not to have it last year. As, as, nobody could have predicted that it was going to continuously get worse, but I'll push it back. Yeah. Um, real quick, before I let Kaor get his piece in, I just want to say something about the crowd noise. I think the only, out of all sports, the only one that did the crowd noise well was last year's Champions League bubble. Like, whoever was running that, like, it literally, like, 
if I didn't look at the stands, I would think it was a normal Champions League because like the reactions were perfect. It didn't sound canned. And like at WRCU, like we have the same crowd noise going on a loop. Uh, Troy and KOR know all about that. Um, and it can kind of get on your nerves, but it's the best we can do. Um, but yeah, most, most of the times it just, it doesn't come off. Right. So, uh, KOR, you wanted to say, yeah, I don't know if you guys noticed, but so I actually watch different like, um, streams of the games. I, I have access to like European streams. So like the BT sports or the sky sports and each, each of them have different crowd noise versions depending on, I guess, just whatever they have in their system. So those European ones, they actually have, like, the different chants um, of each home team and stuff like that. So it's really weird. And here in the U.S., it's kind of, you know, just uh, the basic ooh-ahs whenever a play happens. But regardless, I, I'm not a big fan of that crowd noise either. I think uh, I've grown into kind of listening to the – authentic uh game noise which is just the players bickering at each other or shouting um it's kind of brought a new nature of like competitive soccer or football and it's i don't know it's, it's more fun to me to watch that knowing that there's no fans there than hearing fake fan noise um and as for the just tying it back to the um international conversation that we were having um earlier when i when i was young um I was a big fan of Brazil. Um, I know that might be like a, a frontrunner kind of uh, statement, but um, right now I would say I've grown a lot on England as well, just because they have uh, a bunch of young, um, a bunch of young players who are who they're trying to develop under their system. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like I enjoy watching international soccer, no matter what. I do try to root for the U.S., uh, but. Uh, as we've mentioned before the last couple of times, it's not been very fun to watch them. So, Yeah. Yeah. Great points. I want to thank you guys all uh, for contributing there. Definitely interesting to hear your thoughts on crowd noise and the, the entertainment value for us fans at home uh, tuning in. I want to make mention we have our, our boss man, Troy DeSavino here listening in on the pod. I feel like this is like those times in uh, middle school where, you know, the, the, the uh, principal would like sit in on your class and kind of take notes and your teacher was like, all right, guys, today you definitely have to participate because I'm getting watched, I'm getting graded on this. So we, we got the big boss man in the studio. I think we're doing a pretty good job so far. I'm gonna transition over to, uh, I think a big story coming out of the Champions League. Sorry to go a little bit out of order here, but we'll we'll come back to the Champions League, of course, because we got to get to some games. Oh wait, you're not going to get his thoughts on these conversations. I want to know what he has to say. The big boss man, you can just sit there quietly. <laughs> My thoughts on soccer. I listen. As soon as you guys started saying football instead of soccer, I you lost me. You lost. Please, <laughs> I am not the soccer guy here. I am just trying to get a good feel for the brand. Um, and you guys, from what I know about soccer, it sounds like you are very knowledgeable in this area. So. Uh, Please don't make me don't let me take up your time on the air. This is all you guys. You should have seen his slander before we started recording, but we'll, we'll carry on here. So I'm, I'm reading an article here. I'm not sure. I think it's it's not finalized yet, but it's close to being finalized. I'm seeing two major changes uh, coming in the Champions League that, that have been proposed. First one it has to do with scheduling and games. Second one having to do with transfers. So I'll just give you a, a quick rundown here. So the first one, the first proposed change here is to switch 
uh, and this is for 2024, um, to bump the number of teams up to 36 um, and kind of overhaul the group stage. So rather than, you know, having the groups of four clubs as we are, we're having right now, uh, I think there would be more of a table style. Um, and, you know, in, in terms of adding the four teams, I think they wanted to pick two more teams from outside of the, uh, the top, top Europe leagues and another two teams from inside. So, um, you know, they want to have the, the top two European leagues have four clubs in on a more regular basis. Um, just let me get your thoughts on, on kind of this structure, adding more teams, and then I'll go, go into the uh, stuff on transfers. What are they, I'm just trying to think, what are they going to add teams from Luxembourg or something? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think the structure of the Champions League needs to be changed unless it favors maybe uh, countries that, that lack representation. Like, I would love to see an Irish club in Champions League football. I feel like they, they, for their, their players get signed by biggest, bigger clubs all the time, and we'd never really see them on. Uh, a global a global scale like a Champions League so maybe in that case I will be opposed to it but I don't want uh, a fifth place Premier League team like like an Arsenal because they always are out of the top four if they get in Champions League because of these stipulations I wouldn't I wouldn't like that because it takes away from the competitive uh, edge that you have by making it only four teams um, and I don't think you need to add more because you have the Europa League, you win the Europa League and the incentive is that you get promoted to the Champions League, you know? So I think the structure is fine. I think adding more teams just complicates things and it kind of takes away from the tradition, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I guess to sort of build off of that, I, I think the amount of teams is fine. I would kind of change the structure a little bit, maybe have like a play in round where like, instead of having like, was it now 32 teams? Or 24? It's it's 32 now. It's 32. moving up to 36. If this Yeah, I, I would honestly, like, I would maybe keep, like, the 32, but, like, maybe have, like, the 24 have, like, a play-in, maybe give them, like, a vibe, maybe do, like, two separate group stages, like a mini group, like, to qualify for the main group or something like that. Kind of like what they do in sports like college basketball where, like, top teams in a conference tournament will have, like, a double buy, um, you know, because I feel like the problem is, the way it's set up now, yeah, you have some qualifiers, like, uh, as it's laid out now. The problem is you'll have, like, the quote-unquote mid-major teams, like uh, uh, Dynamo Kiev, for instance, like, those kinds of teams, like, they just get thrown to the wolves, and, like, people don't really get to, like, pay attention. Like, if – I'll put it this way. If if you have a group that's, say, I don't know, Barca, Dortmund, Kiev, and someone else, like, no one's going to watch who's playing Kiev, and those teams kind of get lost in the shuffle. And I feel like if you gave those teams like an earlier round where more of the attention's on them, like I feel like that could be better for those clubs in the long term in terms of growing the game. Because um, I feel like right now they kind of get lost in the shuffle the way it's set up. Or like uh, a team like Olympiacos or Apoel or, you know, all these random teams from like countries like Greece, um, you know, they kind of get you know shafted by the current format. So I'd like to see that maybe change uh, if you're going to make any changes. Um yeah, that, that, that's kind of my, my take on it. Uh, the one change I would make, and this is probably a bit controversial, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. 
Um, the change I would make is making the last, either last four or last eight, like a, like a separate competition at the end of the regular season. Like kind of like what we did with the bubble last August, but like every year. Eat, whether you have it single leg or double leg, like just have it be its own thing for like a week or two weeks. And that would get so much more attention. It'd be way more fun than like spreading it around the whole season. Um, and I know it's kind of like a radical change to how the Champions League has done business, but I think it would be much more entertaining, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely an interesting idea. Um, I think to me, like looking at this story, I'm thinking, you know, especially on the uh, the wake here of, of some uh, results of FC Porto that, that we'll get into after this, you know, you're thinking, well, can, can some of these teams from outside of, you know, Europe's traditional top leagues, can some of these teams come and play with some of the best? And to me, that's what makes it exciting. Um, and I think Chris had a good, um, good analogy to March Madness, where a lot of the fun of March Madness is seeing if teams can come and upset the big dogs, upset the top teams. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, some of the enjoyment uh, and some of the intrigue about some of the first rounds. Like, yeah, the, the last rounds, they're always going to be interesting. We're always going to want to see who's getting to the end. But to make kind of the group stages more interesting, it could be cool to include some of these teams. Um, and, and Vandy was mentioning some of the, maybe an Irish team getting them in there. That would be really cool. Uh, KR, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in a sense of the sport being a worldwide sport, I would say like the more the merrier, right? Uh, but I think you got to realize whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's called the UEFA Champions League. Europe, you can't, like, I, I, I would stay within Europe, but if, if they start throwing, like, a, I, I like, a, who, who would, I don't even watch MLS, so I don't know. If they throw, like, a Seattle Sounders in there, you already have, like, the Club World Cup thingy, whatever. So, right. and they always, they always But that's not, like, a real tournament. Like, no one actually cares yeah. about no, that. Yeah, no one cares about it. It's only, like, seven teams. That's, like, preseason but, anyways. I don't know. I, I just... I guess I'm too big on tradition. That's probably what it comes down no, to. No, I, I totally understand. See, I was actually going to agree with you in, uh, with your point in the end. You have to realize that there are European teams um, that are way too established at this point than any other team. So if you're just throwing them in the tournament for the sake of just having more people, it's like essentially murder. Like you're throwing them to lose no matter what. So why even have them in the tournament? Right, runes uh, like Vandy said, runes the tradition, the credibility of the tournament at that point. Um, like, I mean, at that point, might as just start throwing in their acad uh, academy teams, right? Like, if you're gonna do that, see where that goes. I mean, like, what are they gonna do next? Expand the World Cup to 48 teams? Like, come on, that would be awful. Yeah, who would do that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we don't we don't need like trinidad and tobago to make it to the group stage of especially the Qatar when you're, world cup to be played in november of 2022 exactly everything about that was so wrong but i'm sorry i'm just i'm going off a mini tangent um point is, Chris is don't raging here. don't down. don't fix something that isn't broken <laughs> that's that's my take on the whole thing it's if the changes will actually make it better a better product then do it if not you're just doing the line in your pockets when, when your organization's already rich and corrupt as hell, like just don't waste everybody's time. That's my take yeah. on it. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. I think it'll be 
it'll be interesting to see how this vote goes. Um, interesting to see, um, you know, I, I guess I'm not sure how well laid out it is. I know they said like from the articles and, and from uh, the, the rumors I've seen, like they're thinking of splitting between taking two of the top uh, from top Europe leagues two from elsewhere. I don't know what it'll actually boil down to. I'm not sure how the voting process works, but that'll be interesting. The other, the other thing I saw here and the other thing I think actually seems, I don't know, it at least was more interesting to me. And I guess I, I'm also not as knowledgeable about the culture or the traditions, but they're looking into rules for a transfer system. Whereas clubs qualifying for specific tiers of uh, international competitions or UEFA wouldn't be allowed to buy each other's players. So what it's saying here is that may, it may improve uh, it may improve solidarity to the other clubs um, where so they would stop triple figure transfers amongst Champions League participating clubs um, and have those clubs focus on trying to buy players from smaller countries, basically saying, you know, Chelsea, you can't sell your players to Bayern and vice versa. If you want to go buy players, you're going to have to look in smaller markets and try to try to or try to focus on your development. Um, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts. I mean, I I feel like personally, I think that development is a key thing already. I think that the bigger clubs already have good reach when it comes to going down and 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 trying to find players um, in in smaller leagues to try to bring them to a bigger audience. I'm not sure if I really love this idea because I feel like all it's doing is stopping some of the top transfers from happening because yeah, Timo Werner, he wants to go, but he doesn't want to go play for a a bad team. He wants to go from one uh, Champions League team to another. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. It's like, it sucks because you need money to make transfers, and the only way you have money to make transfers is if you're one of the top clubs, you know, to make those big transfers. And it's always the little guy that's getting run over. If you think of Liverpool, Sadio Mane, and Virgil van Dijk came from small-ass Southampton. But um, in the case of Chelsea and their youth players, Jamal Masuola, I think he's the youngest player ever to score in the Champions League, plays for Bayern. And he came from Chelsea's youth. Chelsea's has one of the best uh, youth academies out there, but it's like one of those tri- direct transfer to transfer things. And I guess it would make soccer a little bit more balanced. Like like you take the Thanos stones away from the big teams and I guess you would, you would make them go out more and uh, try to try to accommodate for that. But I don't know, I think it's, it's just one of those things where they're trying to like level the playing field, but you really can't do that because the gap between like let's say a Fulham FC and a Man City, it's it's too wide to make up by by putting a stop to this transfer thing. It's you just gonna you're just gonna have to grind it out and I guess I don't know find a way to, to hold on to those talents. Yeah, yeah, I see where you're coming from, and and that's what I think as well. Like you know, Timo Werner, it's, he he went from uh, like RB Leipzig to Chelsea, so that's two two Champions League teams this year. Wouldn't been able to do that. I'm trying to think, you know, would he have went if he couldn't sign with any of the Champions League teams? Would he have went over to 
Arsenal or over to Leeds, over to, you know, Crystal Palace, South Avenue, another team in the Prem, would he have even left or would he have just stayed on his original team yeah. or were taking out some of the excitement of these high-level transfers? I think he would have stayed because that's the thing. When you transfer leagues um, and you transfer teams, it's just – you. That doesn't necessarily mean your play style just immediately fits, and that's why he's a little bit unsuccessful in Chelsea. Like the Premier League is more physical; it's a completely different league, completely different play scheme, formations, et cetera, et cetera. So, man, it's just—I really don't know how to solve the problem, but to to limit it in that way, it it does take away from the excitement. Because who would want to see Messi go to? it's, I guess if you are opposing City, but who wouldn't want to see Messi go to a top Premier League club because Barcelona is not working out, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, it. I don't think it should be legislated that, you know, big clubs can't buy players from small clubs uh, for the reason that, you know, like if a player wants to go to a big club, like someone who starts their career at like a Southampton, like unless they were like born and raised a Southampton fan, like their goals are to play – you know, competitive champions like football, uh, make a run, win a European title, make the national team. Like to a certain extent, if all the place pieces are in place, you can do that on a smaller club. Like Leicester comes to mind. They're a team that's played in the Champions League. And, you know, most years they're pretty competitive, even if they're not, you know, like quite at the same level of consistency as a Chelsea or a Man City. Um, but as a Man City fan, I feel like I'm uniquely qualified to speak on this matter in the sense that the big clubs are going to find a way to do what they want to do. Uh, They'll use whatever creative accounting, legal loopholes, uh, whatever they need to do to get the players that they want to get and the players want to go to them, they're going to do it. So I feel like this kind of rule will just make things more complicated and won't actually solve anything. If I'll put it to you this way, if if UEFA is really concerned about, you know, creating more parity and more like evenness, the only way to do that is to institute a salary cap and that's never going to happen for a million reasons, but that's the only way to do it. Anything else is just beating around the bush. Can you give me one? Why you would, I guess, why you think it won't happen the salary cap? Um, well, for I'll put it to you this way. I think like the champions league, for instance, cause that's like UEFA's main moneymaker. Uh, the champions league is like a lot of the appeal comes from the big names. Like, when you're attracting new fans in markets like the United States, everyone's like, Oh, did you see that Barcelona Real Madrid match or that uh, uh, Bayern Manchester United match? Oh yeah. I saw that Bayern beat Manchester United six nil. That was amazing. Um, But you know, like, (laughs) um, but like those names resonate with people, even who aren't soccer fans. And that builds a brand. If you have a salary cap and like teams like Bayern can finish like middle of the table one year, and then it's like, oh man, see that Bayer Leverkusen Aston Villa match? Like it's just, it's, it, even if say you put the exact, if say you flip the rosters of those teams and like Leverkusen had all of Bayern's players and Aston Villa had all of uh, United's players, it just doesn't have the same appeal. It doesn't sell as well. Um, I think the occasional like Cinderella run, like Ajax making the semifinals, uh, well, it was two years ago, um, you know what Lester did in the premier league, like that stuff still happens. Like it's still possible to do that. If you have the right manager or the right youth development. Um, so it's not like the system's totally rigged. Um, but I think UEFA has a vested interest in keeping the big clubs, the big clubs for the most part. Um, and, you know, if they tried to do that, I think I could easily see the big clubs saying, all right, 
we're going to leave uh, the Champions League and go make our own league with blackjack and hookers and just uh, have a super league. And the top 30 clubs are all on one like single table. And then the rest of Europe becomes second fiddle and you never hear from them again. And that would be the worst thing, not just for UEFA, but for the game of football altogether. So it's in UEFA's interest to make the big clubs happy. And that's kind of why the system is where it is. So anyway, that was my Ted talk. Thank you all for coming. Um, <laughs> but that, but seriously, that's, that's kind of why I think the system that's in place is going to stay largely the way that it is. I do agree. And that's, I just think, it's also while you, I guess you want to make your suitors happy. It's also in their best interest to find these, these new clubs that can rise to that level. Like, uh, um, who was the who was the club that you could Luka Jovic was on uh, before he went to Real Madrid? Why can I not think of them? Damn, the German clubs that they they have black kids. Why can I not think of them? It slips my mind, but basically what I'm trying to get at is like, if they can somehow find a way to, like, I guess it goes back to like, Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah, there you go. I don't know why I can't. Yeah. So let's say, cause Luka Jovic is like, he's only 23 and he looks like, he looked like he was, he was like, he was tearing Chelsea apart when I was watching them in the, uh, when I, when I was watching them play each other last time. So if you can have something where, like, let's say you're the top goal scorer on the team or you're the best player, if you can have something where the contracts mean more and players are breaking contracts left and right, then maybe you can garner, excuse me, you can garner interest to those smaller clubs. It's just, I, I just don't know. And I think that's, a, that's the problem with soccer. It's like, sure, people know the Barcelona and Real Madrid's, but wouldn't it be cool if, if, and Everton got a little bit better and, you know, like, I feel like there needs to be more elite teams. And I guess historically and uh, over time, clubs stay at the level that they're at because they, they're like Real Madrid and Barcelona are top five richest sports teams overall total. So they have the money to do and they have the facilities to do. But it would be cool if it expanded more and encompassed like for more teams than, than the same old 10 and 12 that that non-soccer non-football fans know yeah yeah certainly interesting KR your thoughts here yeah I was gonna say I mean we've seen the rise of clubs like Man City kind of go from you know stardom to then falling and then back to the top um that's what I was going to kind of mention I'm sure Chris Akonis one giving us a financial lesson on uh uh budgeting in soccer uh, seems to be a Man City fan who keeps the system and somehow still makes it into the Champions League after being banned. But we can say that for another time. Uh, but I, I, I kind of agree that, you know, uh, what Vandy said, it's kind of whoever's at the top stays at the top and they stay at the top for a while. Um, and that kind of, I would say, ruins the integrity of the game if you're trying to um, have teams who are going to be, you know, Cinderella teams who come from like nothing and grow their way up there. Um, but think about all the people or all the players who are playing soccer right now, right? They play because one day they want to play for Barcelona. One day they want to play for Real Madrid. Uh, it's those aspirations that keep the sport going. Um, and which is why I think for a very long time, these top teams are probably going nowhere. Um as much as I hate to say it, but 
you know, I, I would love to see a team like Leicester, let's say, stay at the top for like five to six years or whatever it may be, right? But eventually they get to the top because of quality players who then go ha- go on to continue their aspirations of playing for that big name club. Um, and I think that whole cycle and that process is what kind of diminishes this idea of, uh, you know, teams kind of being born out of nowhere. But hopefully one day we can just dream of that changing. But I, I personally don't see it changing for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up. It's it's a love-hate relationship, right? It's it's fun because the big teams are big names. Uh, they bring in international fans. They bring in interest into the sport. They make it fun by signing all the stars. And, and that's really entertaining, really enjoyable. But, you know, you also want to keep it competitive. So, uh, obviously, they're, they're thinking about a way to do this. They're thinking about a way to keep it balanced. And... I mean, I guess I, I appreciate that thought, um, but I don't. I, I still don't know if I think this would work out. Chris was, you know, talking about some of the the logistics behind it, and, and if you look at the NBA, right, they have a salary cap. But what do teams do? They sign and then trade, so that way the player can get the contract that they want that they wouldn't have been able to on the on the team that they're going to. And I'm sure that they could find some way around to. Uh, to swing uh, Timo Werner through Southampton and then get him up to Chelsea if they if they want to figure out something like that. Yeah, I, and, you know, it also comes down to, like, is it a soft cap like the NBA where you have a luxury tax? So if you have a really rich owner, he could just pay the tax. And, like, in that case, the cap doesn't really apply to him. The only way you would really – if you really wanted to make it as fair as possible, you do what MLS does, you have a hard cap, you can only spend X amount of dollars on your roster every year. And that would solve the inequity issue, but it would likely damage interest in the game. And I think that's why, um, you know, you'll never really see a body like UEFA or FIFA really take to it. That's what makes MLS like such an out, outlier and kind of an interesting league to follow, in my opinion. Well, uh, with that, we'll kind of wrap up our stories here. We'll move on to the uh, recent results, first four matches of uh, the round of 16, leg two happening today. We'll start, uh, let's, we'll start with the the team on the decline, the top team on the decline, Barca. Uh, They tie PSG one-to-one today. Not enough to get it done, aggregate falling five to two. Uh, to the uh, Parisians. Mbappe scoring on a penalty in the 30th minute. Messi getting a goal in the 37th minute. Um, Chris already mentioned Neymar, uh, a notable scratch for PSG. Um, Guys, your thoughts here? It's simple. That strategy, Barcelona's strategy, came back to bite them. They were, I feel like, they've been too reliant on their veterans and they haven't developed their youth enough. And what I mean by that is I feel like they always play their young players in meaningless games. And the only way to continue the cycle of being, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that Barcelona doesn't know how to win games and be good because that's not the case. But what I'm trying to say is right in this moment right now, why they're not succeeding is I think they they're relying too heavily on their veterans. Like if you, if you have, a player uh, 
that comes in the game and scores in in 15 minutes and then the next time people don't see him is three is a month later that's not really going to help his development he needs he needs action in game he needs a he needs a 60 minutes he needs he needs a start so i think they need to just do a better job of implementing those those young players and there are opportunities for that because they have a really good academy and they have really good players waiting to play it's just when you're relying too much on veterans it comes back to bite you when those players start getting older and when they start not being at top form. That's all I gotta say. PSG just exposed. Um, they just exposed Barca. That's all it was. Yeah, definitely some interesting stats to come out of this game. Looking at it here, Barca with seventy three percent possession, uh, twenty one shots and ten shots on target. Absolutely uh, dwarfing PSG um, in some of these key statistics here, but unable to finish unable to really convert on all these chances but the thing is um, it's like why do you wait until the second leg to perform like that where 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 was all those stats in the first game like first match where, where was that at it seems like you have to be down in order to ignite a flame under some of these players asses or something i don't know what it is but that that i don't know it, it's it, if you're a barca fan it must be frustrating to know that your players can play this well when when they're down by three goals on aggregate. So, but I think to that point, what was it? You said twenty three shots, ten on goal, twenty one, ten on 21. goal. Twenty yeah. one. Like if you have twenty one shots, one more than ten of them should be on goal. If you're a team of Barcelona's quality, uh, two, if you're taking twenty one shots, you should have more than one goal. Like that's just like I don't care if PSG's parking the bus or whatever. Like. When you have the talent that Barcelona has, not just in Lionel Messi, but they do have some talented players, as much as we like to rip on them, um, you've got to be better than that. Like, there's just no excuse. So, you know, that's that's my take on that. If you could only score one goal in 21 shots, like, you you deserve to lose. I'm sorry. Well, one of them, one of the shots was actually a penalty that was missed by Messi. Um, okay. So, it... It could have been two goals, but again, uh, they're not performing at the at the level they should be to win the game. Um, much of the game, because they were coming in with three goals down, they were playing with, I would say, like seven or eight up front, essentially, with like a goalie and two in the back. Uh, so it, it was a very attacking effort by Barcelona, but I think PSG, on the other hand, also did a great job of, um, you know, attacking those fast break opportunities when they had the opportunity to do so. Um, and also at the same time, like Chris mentioned, they were parking the bus and they did it pretty well. Um, they were able to keep a Barcelona team that was constantly taking shots, um, you know, at bay and, and they were able to kind of move on. And I think even without Neymar, it shows the depth on the team. And then, Yes, there might be players that, you know, not a lot of people know their names of, uh, but they're out there. And if they can keep up with a team like Barcelona, um, that just shows that, you know, they're there to compete. And it's going to be a very long way for PSG to go from here on out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have a, I guess I got a question. We'll stay on Barca here for a little. Um, so obviously falling in the Champions League here in the past, since since we last talked, they've been doing pretty well in La Liga, uh, you know, kind of establishing themselves in the, in the number two spot here, trying still chasing after uh, Atletico Madrid with Real and, and Sevilla staying close, but by, by no means are they, 
doing as poorly in, in La Liga as they were kind of in the beginning of the season here. Uh, so my question is, is, you know, is, is this early Champions League, at least by their standards, early Champions League uh, departure, is this going to change anything at Barcelona? Do you see them, you know, altering strategy, altering players, or is this kind of just, you know what, we didn't have it this year, we'll be back again? Well, I think, you know, when it comes to Barcelona, uh, how far back are they from the Premier League, the Premier League, the La Liga uh, lead right now? They're six, six points back. Yeah, well, I think in that respect, I think, um, you know, not having to load manage between Champions League and La Liga games might help them in that regard in terms of from the perspective of winning a league title. Although, obviously, most Barca fans would prefer the Champions League. I know I would. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's – when it comes down to it, if you're a club with Barcelona's resources and Barcelona's talent and you're out in the last 16 and you're chronically underperforming, um, it really comes down to two things. Either uh, your coaching is not where it needs to be and your board is not making smart decisions in terms of building the club. Um, so that's really what the root of the issue is, is one of those two things and likely some combination of both. Maybe um, it's just that uh, your players are having some confidence issues out there. Oh, I mean, it turns out that when your best player wants to leave and you don't let him leave, that he may not be fully motivated to play for you. Just a so thought. You, gotta, you just have to hire social media assassins to bully them. That's the yeah. only tactic you can use. Clearly, clearly. I mean, as that. someone who was cyberbullied last night by several Twitter accounts, I think I, uh, I'm uniquely uh, positioned to answer that. Right, Troy? Speaking from experience, what'd you do? Wait, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking about uh, the poll rigging that you did. Oh, <laughs> Chris, you were really upset about this. This is the I second am. show you're bringing this into. I've been wronged. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not even going to entertain you accusing me. I mean, when you posted, when you posted on the Twitter, uh, is Troy rigging the polls and all of the accounts that you run said no at the exact same time? How could I do it all at the exact same time? I'm one person. I don't, well, I mean, I'm, they were like six in like 30 seconds. So like wow. you very clearly toggled between the accounts and you sound paranoid, no. Chris. You sound paranoid. I'm <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's all on Twitter. Bull rigging. Yes. <laughs> so what exactly did you get for? Um, because I said that cyclones are more. Uh, well, wait, hold on, Chris. I want to get I want to get Vandy's thoughts on this before okay. you before you taint his picture of what. <laughs> all right, Vandy, I'm going to say one type of natural disaster i want you to tell me which one you think it associates more with um depending on how you answer this could be your first of many polar uh, polar fc podcasts or your last one we'll see but <laughs> wow i'm gonna say cyclone okay do you think of hurricane or tornado fuck I'll probably say tornado. Oh, Chris, you suck. Chris, you deserve all the cyberbullying. I don't know what to tell you there, pal. All right. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I was I was making fun of Chris. We were getting into a pretty we had a two-hour sports talk show. We we did about an hour and a half discussion of, of twisters and or cyclones was more relevant to tornadoes or hurricanes. And then some people on Twitter were bullying Chris because he didn't know what a he didn't know what a um cyclone was even though he is factually correct because apparently a cyclone is more like a hurricane, but everyone knows Iowa state that the cyclones, their mascots, a tornado. So 
I think I was right on that one. Well, Google. <laughs> be, be in his house. Oh, yeah, no. Google. We haven't seen the word cyclone, cyclone and yeah, see what either. pops up. <laughs> and you'll 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 see my side of the argument. I apologize for hijack. I did not think that we would get this deep into it, Jacob. Wow, I'm googling cyclone and they're showing me the eye of the hurricane. There you go. Doesn't That's matter. We were talking about like what most people think of, and Chris. Yeah. Yeah, it's a perfect case study. All right, we'll, we'll sell this off air. Jacob, uh, take us back to Earth, please. All right. <laughs> As per usual, keep keep the team on track here. Um, we'll we'll trans transfer over to uh, uh, the hurricane or the the cyclone that RB Leipzig is facing after uh, another two nil loss to Liverpool. Uh, it's falling to four nil aggregate. Uh, Salah scoring in the 70th, Mane scoring in the 74th, another two goals real quick together. Uh, Liverpool dropping a couple in the Prem, dropping a couple in a row at home, which is quite surprising. But, you know, they, they admitted they're out of the champion or they're out of the Prem. They're focusing their efforts on the Champions League here. They got it done again against uh, an Airbnb Leipzig squad that's, I, I believe, still. Uh, in the top three in, in the Bundesliga, if not top two. Uh, thoughts? Wait, wasn't um, – this game was in Anfield, was it? Wasn't it? And it's uh, I believe it was actually pushed back to Budapest because of coronavirus concerns. So they played in that normal side of Budapest. But technically it was like a quote-unquote home yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, home yeah, game was, for I guess they for... played in Budapest last time or they played in a norm, mm-hmm. uh, a neutral site. In the... uh, I was just about to give them credit because they keep losing games at Anfield. But yeah. I'll take it back. Um, I just think Leipzig, they're one of the lowest scoring teams that were left in the Champions League and they were up against a solid defense no matter how injured Liverpool is. It's still a solid defense and they're the defending champ. So, um. It's just one of those things. I feel like when Liverpool plays their A game, and today was one of those days, they're a top five club in the world. Um, but it's just those games have been few and far in between. But we saw today how dangerous they can be. And Leipzig is just not on their level. And it's no fault of their own. It's just that Liverpool is outclassed easily. Yeah, like you said, Liverpool's been you know struggling a lot. I think it was good for them to kind of use this as another bounce back game. Uh, and Leipzig actually was the opposite of Liverpool. Um, we know Liverpool has been dealing with a lot of injuries and Leipzig on the other hand, got all of their injured players back for this game um, and basically had all the momentum, but wasn't able to capitalize on it. Uh, and I think Jurgen Klopp's going to be a very happy man going forward in the Champions League. So um, they should be, you know, should be kept an eye on uh, for the, other rounds coming up. Yep. I wanted to note I uh, bad call by me. I don't remember all my takes from, from last episode, but for those keeping track at home, I, I definitely predicted RB Leipzig putting up a fight here. No fight was to be had. Uh, we'll move over uh, to Dortmund Sevilla. Um, let me see here. Uh, finishing 2-2. Uh, with an aggregate of 5-2. Um, see, my stats are all messed up over here. Uh, okay, sorry. Dortmund finishing uh, up top, 5-2. Uh, uh, getting the win. Holland 
scoring two goals, 35th in the 54th minute. Uh, Sevilla uh, with on the 68th minute and the 96th minute to make it interesting at the end. Um, Holland, again, just coming through for Dortmund, scoring big-time goals. Uh, thoughts, team? Uh, all I'm going to say is this shouldn't have been a tie. Uh, Dortmund was at to an early 2-0 lead, uh, and Holland was obviously playing his own game, and then um, Sevilla was able to kind of, I guess, use their composure in one way or another to, to crawl back. But obviously, uh, Dortmund had that one-goal advantage and was able to advance on that. But um, I think one thing I take away from this game is just how much of a threat Holland can be. Um, He's kind of everywhere. Uh, and if if all the other players on Dortmund are playing at the same um, efficiency that Holland is, they can really use him as as one of their biggest weapons. And we saw their first goal was actually uh, Marco Royce passing it back to Holland and, and allowing him to score after having a shot on goal as well. So, And the second one, I believe, was a penalty that was retaken. So Dortmund did get a lot of breaks during this game. Um, but... Uh, they were able to capitalize when they needed to, and and they advance. Holland just just being able to put the ball on the back of the net, um, really doing a lion's share of the scoring for Dortmund out of their past a handful of games this season. Um, he's an he's a phenomenal player. Uh, I'll, I'll say I I watched the. Uh, Bayern game. Uh, they played Dortmund this past weekend with great unease in the beginning of the match. Holland that was a good game. Killing it. Um, that was a good I, game. I, I must say, I was very happy to see Bayern bounce back. And I, I feel like I know we had we'd mentioned this before. Bayern are sometimes that club where things have got to go a little bit <laughs> bad in the beginning of the game for them to light a fire under themselves and get back and get some chances. Uh, but I was, I was, I was very, very happy with Byron's performance this weekend, but happy to see Dortmund continuing to move forward just in terms of me rooting for the, uh, the Bundesliga, obviously Erling Haaland, a phenomenal, phenomenal striker guy who can put the ball in the back of the net. And uh, I don't, I don't know what else to say here. I think, you know, just the fact that Holland is able to do so much for that Dortmund attack. Um, he's one of those few players in soccer that can elevate their team to like a different level. Like Dortmund would not be in the, I don't think they'd even sniff the last 16, if I'm being completely honest, without Erling Holland as their forward. Like it, it just wouldn't happen. Uh, so I think that, you know, he's one of those few transformational forwards um, you know, uh, with, you know, someone like Aguero uh, getting up there in age, I mean, if, if City want to open up the checkbook, I'd rather they go after him than Messi, if I'm being honest, because he's going to be around longer. Um, so, you know, a, a club like City is going to scoop him up at some point. And when when they do, I think that's when he's really going to shine. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly going to be interesting. I uh, I foresee us talking about uh, landing places for Erling Holland uh, in the upcoming free agency. Um, so next, we'll we'll move it over to the big game, 
the the stunner Porto stunning uh Juventus uh Juventus getting the win uh in the last game three to two but Porto winning on away goals uh when it comes down to it uh last match we had uh Chisa scoring in the 49th and 63rd minute uh Rabio scoring in the 117th minute uh, and for Porto, we had um, Oliveira scoring in the 19th and the 115th. So definitely a nail biter. I know, uh, I believe KR and Chris, you guys were, you're watching some of that live. So um, I'm excited to get your takes and we'll, we'll also do our, our video clip of the week here. So I'll, I'll pass it over to you guys. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, that was the only match because I was, like, kind of swamped with work this week. Um, that was the only, that was the only match that I was able to – button keeps muting. I, Chris, Chris, come on, man. You just seems like we got Morse once. code, Chris. <laughs> Hold on, I'll try to decipher it. Uh, swamped with work, I think, is, is what I heard. Oh, someone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I think we got it for good now. That was weird. Like I wasn't even touching my thing and it would just keep flicking on and off. All right. I'll have to edit that in post. Anyway, point I was trying to make, I was swamped with work last week. And um, basically this was the only match I was able to sit down and watch. And I picked the best one. Um, had everything. It had the uh, underdog story to it. It had, um, you know, late goals, went into extra time. Um, you know, unbelievable match. And um, this is going to lead into uh, uh, your video of the week, although I want KR to get his thoughts before we get to that. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, total no-show, in my opinion. Like, relative to what was expected. And I'm not even necessarily saying in terms of goals, per se, because, you know, if you have a great game in soccer and not score any goals, even if you're a forward. Um, but just like Ronaldo did not show up in the second leg. And when Micah Richards is calling you out in the halftime show on CBS, I think that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, I would say, I don't even know how to describe this match because it was a mixture of um, everything for me, including me being a degenerate and gambling on this game. Uh, so there was both parts of that. And then me just hoping for a good game of uh, soccer, especially in the Champions League, and knowing that what's that kind of stake for Juventus to come back from a 2-1 deficit. And um, then after seeing Porto go up from a penalty 1-0, everything changed. Um, and it was just a, a lot for, I would say, um, Juventus to kind of overcome. But uh, they were very, very close. And then seeing it go into extra time uh, because it was tied on aggregate. And then it was almost going into penalty kicks, but we obviously knew, uh, know what happened in the last five minutes, which was just two goals from each team and then Porto advancing on away goals. Um, and, and it was just a lot happening all at once. But then at the same time, half the game was kind of just Juventus trying to figure out their stride. Um and I think one thing that I would probably take away from this game is uh, Juventus cannot be who they are without Paulo Dybala there. Uh, and 
if they had him, I think the whole narrative of the game would have been different. But it's I'm just surprised um, that Porto won, even on a 10-man team. Uh, but if anything, they deserved it. So when I know a 10-man team against Juventus, um, they deserve it. I, although I don't see them doing that well in the next rounds, but we'll save that for another time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who who knows what's happening in the in the next rounds? Porto, of course, I'm sure celebrating this this great uh, upset here. Ronaldo, I think he I think he had at least one assist in there, but you have to say for for a player of his stature, you got to get goals. You're expecting goals from Ronaldo in big games like this, even in in, in both of the Champions League games unable to to find the back of the net and yeah Chris you're right it's not everything there are other ways you can impact the team but guy like Ronaldo guy with his pedigree uh I can't I can't say I didn't expect him to at least net one um but we'll we'll transfer over here to the the big clip of the week the clip that I'm seeing all over Twitter let me see if I can share screen so I can get our uh our reactions from our announcers here, our, our analysts rather. Uh, oh, that's not what I want. Technical difficulties, hold on. All right, thanks for being patient folks at home. Here we go. Alleged assailant. Off his long run. Sergio Oliveira, it's in! He has fizzed that through! Juventus downcast! Porto looking the impossible in the eye! Ronaldo distraught! Juve disbelieving! Chesney beaten, Porto looking up at the stars. A fizzing hit through the wall and through the palm of Wojciech Chesney and Porto are five minutes out from the quarterfinals. Well, that's incredible, but the wall is an absolute shambles. All right, I'm not sure what we're what we're allowed to show, what we're allowed to play during our podcast. So we're a non-commercial podcast. We can show whatever we want. Oh, we can show whatever we want. So you did under the fair use doctrine. That's how that Uh, works. Just don't go and make any money on us or else we're in trouble. Okay. Uh, You challenged me to a dollar. Make money. You've challenged us to a dollar. Don't forget that. Troy. Do donations count? I won't. I I won't forget. (laughs) Anyways, uh, in case you didn't just watch what we were watching, we're watching uh, Porto score in uh, off that free kick for the to make it two two in the past game um, in the uh, I believe around 114th minute. Um, obviously, the uh, the ball going through Ronaldo's legs um, not not the most heads up play when you're when you're a top player in the league standing there for a free kick. Let's it go right by uh, goalkeeper beaten as well. Love to get your guys' thoughts on this. Well, not only did he let the goalkeeper, not only did he let the ball go by, 
Like that in and of itself is a problem. But the way which like he literally turned away from the ball when it was coming for his head. And it's like the whole point of you being in the wall is to be like a human shield and block the ball. Um, so like if you're gonna do that, like just put someone else in the wall. Because Cristiano Ronaldo clearly does not have the mental fortitude to stay in the wall. So that's that's kind of how I read that. I'm pretty sure. So when I was watching this live, I was in physical therapy, just completely ignored my therapist while he was instructing me to do because I wanted to watch this. And as soon as that that goal went in, all I could think of was, that's it, that's the dagger. And then they played the replay, and they showed how before they took the free kick, Ronaldo was actually the one forming the wall. So he was taking command of it. And then when the when um, I forgot who took the free kick, but whenever the Porto player kicked the ball, Ronaldo turned around. If you if you go back and watch the bear's name, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. I'm but um, he was so Ronaldo turned around, and then the ball actually went through his legs. So he got nutmeg while he wasn't looking, and then the ball went into the goal. And if that doesn't add like insult to injury, I don't know what does because that just through the entire Juventus team um, off track that a 10-man team kind of just scored on you and that's it. Your dreams are kind of basically crushed. Yeah, it's it's something that's like, you know, this is the basics. You stand there, you jump. Ronaldo is world-class player, does things no one can even predict, no one could even dream of. But And that's why it's so frustrating that, you know, in the 115th minute, of a really, really big Champions League game that you're unable to keep your composure, unable just to do the easy things right, unable to get the wall set up, and it it happens to do in one of your best players. Was it embarrassing? Certainly, yes. Um, did the keeper also, I think he also probably should have saved that. Um, shot low on the ground. Uh, feel like that should have been saved by the keeper. Feel like it may have been saved by a better keeper but it's it's definitely unquestionable that i feel like uh most of the blame the majority of the blame should be on ronaldo and the wall there so this is what uh we were talking about when we were saying no more ronaldo in the next round just a disappointing performance for Juve this game a little bit more competitive though as KOR pointed out a red card in the 54th minute so Porto playing a majority uh, of the time here without uh, a man on the field and you have to say well Juve came out with the win in this match they should they really should have capitalized more um and and at least try to make up for the the embarrassing performance uh, with a more dominant victory that that really would have gotten them to the next round. And I, I think uh, Kr makes a good point. Dybala again a miss from this game. Not 100% sure what happened because he was playing in some of uh, Juve's league games. So I'm not quite sure why he was uh, a scratch for this one. Maybe still getting integrated from injury. Um, but I got to say, if I was a Juve fan, and we'll, we'll take this time to make fun of uh, Mr. Bossman, Troy DiSavino, who 
I think if he had to pick a team, that that's the team he had followed uh, the closest. So we'll we'll take this time to poke a little extra fun at him. All right, listen. The only reason I and this is like before Ronaldo went there. This is my freshman year when I was at Seton Hall. My roommate, who Vandy used to, well, yeah, used to come over and watch Chelsea games with my roommate sometimes. Um, he said I kind of looked like Dybala when he would go like this. Yes, yes. Um, and I was yes. like, all right, I guess I'll follow Juventus. And uh, But that was before Ronaldo. And I didn't really know anything about it. And I, I watched them play in the Champions League that year. And I watched Ronaldo have a bicycle kick and score a goal and knock Juventus out. That's the extent I my history of Juventus goes back. And that's really it. But I, uh, you can poke fun all you want. I have no idea what's happening in uh, – uh, listen, I, like I said, I am not your soccer guy. I'm not your football guy. The only reason I was going for him is because apparently Dybala kind of looked like me, and that was it. So poke all the fun you want. That's just disrespect for the Dybala, if anything. Um, I, don't think, I don't think you need to ruin his name like that. Oh, jeez. Flames. Straight flames. I'm seeing here uh, <laughs> headlines are saying that Juve might put either, excuse me, either Ronaldo or Dybala on the transfer list, um, trying to work out some financial issues, obviously disappointed with this, uh, this uh, exodus from the, the Champions League. Um, if you're the, the head manager, if you're the president of this uh, Italian super team, who are you selling? Who's, who's your... Uh, Who's your top, uh, I guess, top loss? Who, who's, who are you putting on the transfer market? Oh, no brainer, Ronaldo. I don't care if he's the top scorer in the league. He's only – he. I would say if we're being we, – if we're talking about this level that he's at, I would probably say he has three more years at this level. Um, and then we'll see a dip. Um, but who knows? But I think it's just what you can get back for Ronaldo – Ronaldo for your future it could be ginormous. You can't get that same thing back for Dybala. You can maybe get one player on his level, but for for Ronaldo, you can probably get two or three and then maybe another solid up-and-coming player. So I think you definitely have to utilize your resources and not wait until Ronaldo gets old to, to move him or let him leave on his own. Yeah, I mean, letting Ronaldo go on a free definitely would hurt. And yeah, he's, he's taking up a ton of, of the player salary. If we're looking here, Ronaldo, 28 uh, million euros. The next player, uh, next couple of players, with Dybala at third, each coming in at around six and a half or seven. So Ronaldo, clearing Ronaldo from your books, definitely a, a big change. But um, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm confident that Juve still be competitive without him. And, and like uh, Vandy said here, that type of money uh, off your books, you could go for a couple players that, you know, are up-and-comers, are, are, um, are, have potential, have, have the ability to stay with your club for a couple years. Any other thoughts there? I mean, if I was Juve, um, I think I would just see which – one young player would probably give me the most, um, you know, in return. Obviously, I feel like even if you sell Ronaldo, you wouldn't get as much value as if you were trying to shop around maybe Dybala um, or even Weston McKinney. But I know McKinney, you just signed as well. So 
not a lot of people might want him. But, yeah, other than that, it's a pretty veteran team. So there's not a lot of people who are going to want to kind of um, want any of the players other than, I would say, Dybala. It would have been, like, Dilip, but Dilip's probably not going anywhere. Uh, he's on a massive contract anyway, so... Yeah, other than that, I don't, I don't know. This team's kind of at a stalemate, I think, right now. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do next. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. This this uh, week's results, see the likes of Juve, the likes of Barcelona, two top clubs with top players, you know, having a, a generally an early exodus. And I think it's possible that that'll make the, uh, the transfer market uh, a little bit more interesting. Uh, when uh, that time period comes up as these teams may look to move around, shop around some of their, some of their stars, some of the best players in the uh, world soccer. Uh, I think that about does it for us in this evening's podcast. Uh, KR, any final thoughts before we sign off? Nope. Uh, round two over. Oh, we'll be here next week. Oh, yeah. Chris? Any final thoughts you want to say uh, goodbye to our fans? Um, no, nah, I've got – I'm pretty good. Um, you know, see you guys nope. next week. Nope, screw the fans. Wow. Oh, you guys are going to love our new logo. That's what I got to say. Okay, okay, we're working on it. We, we'll, we may get some merch out there. I'm, I'm putting it up on the Twitter as we speak. So. Okay, all right. Manager Chris, we, I swear, we got to get some – we got to get some kits. I want a jersey, man. I want a I want a Polar FC jersey. It's got to be done. We're, we're getting the jerseys. We're getting the scarves. We're getting the TFO soon. Um, Let's we'll, go. We'll get it all. Let's go. That's how we're gonna start bringing in revenue for you, Troy. And obviously, we're gonna we're gonna send some merch to our you know our president or whatever we want to call him. Um, Big boss fly, man, Troy. Yeah, fly in the room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got um. <laughs> yeah, I got authorization. All show. I was. I only talk when I was talked to, so I, I was trying to <laughs> yeah. be quiet here. Well, um, I, yeah. I mean, look, we have to run everything by COO Austin DiSabino before we do anything. So, yeah. of course, yeah, he's gonna be fired. Of course. Everything is here. <laughs> he's the one really calling the shots. <laughs> oh yeah. Vandy, any final thoughts? Thank you for being with us with this for this episode. We hope you. Uh, we didn't scare you away, or you'd be happy to. We hope we'll, you'll come back in the future for us. Yeah, I had a blast. Hopefully the next time that I'm here is when Chelsea's advantage to the quarters and I'm glorifying them. So we shall see. Same hopes for Bayern from me. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us. It's been a pleasure having you here. And we'll look forward to seeing you uh, next week. And this is Oh, wait, 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 wait. One more thing. Sorry. One last thing. Happy birthday, Chelsea. It's the 116th birthday today of Chelsea. Happy birthday, Chelsea. Pretty old. 116. Wow. Chris, you remember that birthday, right? Screw you. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, no, no, this is going to be a safe haven for Chris. Oh, sorry. Well, this is my my podcast. You're not even supposed to be here, Troy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'll leave. Look at this. Look at this. Anyways, this has been KR, Chris, Vandy, and Jacob uh, signing off.